Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Holy Vladimir, pray for us. That was the shocking headline for the online version of Der Spiegel, one of Europe's most respected news magazines. And if that doesn't grab your attention, I don't know what would. Why would a rising trend in Russia lead people to pray to Vladimir Putin? Honoring this ex-KGB once and future president as the reincarnation to some of St. Paul. But it's true. And it reflects a moral and a spiritual and yes, a social and nationalist yearning in Russia to regain global glory regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. Perhaps that is the explanation for what is taking place, what we've seen taking place over the past nearly year now with the attack of Russia against Ukraine. But it's not over. The picture is actually much deeper than what seems to catch the headlines across the world. It has a lot to do with a Russian vision. It also has to do with a papal vision. In fact, There are two P's, Putin and the Pope, that are in a competition for Messiah. Putin and the Pope in competition for Messiah. Does that get your attention yet? It should. And so I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and it may seem strange to hear those two lying together, aligned in a competition for the rulership of the world as a pseudo-messiah for each of them. But you're going to see, by the time we're through, how amazingly that is true. And it also brings into our attention the realm of the Russian Orthodox Church. But not just the Russian Orthodox Church, the church in Ukraine. Believe it or not, Vladimir Zarensky has announced new measures seeking to ban religious institutions deemed to have links with Russia. He said the move is intended to safeguard the nation's spiritual independence amid Kyiv's conflict with with, uh, Moscow. The president's principal target is the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, the country's largest, which is linked to the Moscow Patriarchate. Ukraine's domestic security agency launched what it called a counterintelligence action at several Ukrainian Orthodox Church sites in three regions. Their aim was to identify individuals suspected of undermining Ukraine's sovereignty. At the same time, Ukraine's state watchdog responsible for overseeing the religious sphere was ordered to establish whether the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has religious links with Moscow and the Russian Orthodox Church. A council also accused Russian special services of subversive activities in the religious sphere. And just last week, 
The Lavra, which is considered to be the most prominent Orthodox Christian monastery in Ukraine, was raided by Zelensky's forces. Zelensky's forces. Well, what is this all about? To give you a quick thumbnail sketch, the Russian Orthodox Church has become one with Moscow, with Vladimir Putin, with the Russian government. They have united church and state, church and state, each using the other, each building upon the other for their own power, perks, and position. This is the means of politics in this day. Religion has become the new politics. That was a declaration of the former Prime Minister, Tony Blair, of the UK, of England, of Britain. Religion has become the new politics. So you can understand then, perhaps, why this would put Vladimir Putin and the Pope in confrontation or conflict with regard to their respective visions to rule the world. Yes, indeed, as a messianic figure. So, few strive for becoming king of the mountain, that is, the Temple Mount. Few who strive for king of the mountain on the Temple Mount believe that such dominion can be achieved without a religious component, however strange or disingenuous it might be. And we're going to trace that here today on Viewpoint in the next 40 minutes. It's going to be a tall order, but you don't want to miss a minute of today's program. It's going to reveal things that otherwise are not apparent to the eye, are not apparent, apparently, to the United States State Department, to the presidency, to the news media, or anyone else. Now, to try to understand this, you and I have to step into, shall we say, the heart of the Russian people. They were brokenhearted and laden with despair since the Bolshevik Revolution uh, a century ago, 1917. Hopes had been crushed. Their faith was dismembered. They existed as a moral vacuum from which had been virtually sucked all vestiges of spiritual life and direction for four generations, 40 years. Actually, more than that. Then along comes one, a seeming champion in whom... In, in those who were devoid of direction, and now they can suddenly and vicariously live out their hopes and their dreams for a resurrection of Russian glory. And who is that? Vladimir Putin. So across Russia, popular affection for Putin started turning to religious worship. Indeed, the country's top Jewish rabbi, Beryl Lazar, swooned that Russians had, quote, every reason to ask God to bless you, that is, to bless Vladimir Putin, because you save hundreds and thousands of worlds. That's what the Jewish rabbi said of Vladimir Putin. You save hundreds and thousands of worlds. The influential deputy 
of the Kremlin administration sees in Putin, quote, a man whom fate and the Lord sent to Russia, unquote. So how broadly, you might ask, are these or similar sentiments weighing in the minds and hearts of these long downtrodden people called Russians aspiring to a return of national glory on the world stage? And just how deeply do these dramatically shifting sentiments reside now in a fellow by the name of Putin, present in the popular and governmental imagination. According to Mother Fatina, he has the spirit of a czar in him. Oh, but that's not the only spirit she sees in him, as do the Russians. Wait till you hear what comes next. You're listening to Viewpoint, friends. You could call it the bear versus the pope. It's really, you might say, Putin versus the Pope, each striving for a messianic role in the end times. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The prayerful pleas of the Russians 15 years ago did not go unheard, at least to the 11,000 delegates and party members of United Russia. At a party congress to usher Putin in as president, they cheered like true believers at what amounted to a coronation mass. Regardless of the glowing and public worship, Mother Fatina believes that the people have no real choice. Why? Because she said God has appointed Putin to Russia to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ. Unquote. Now, let's suppose that Vladimir Putin has lurking deep in his bosom, in his mind, in his heart, that he is that person. Maybe even going beyond that. That Russia is deemed to save the world. Why would he believe that? Is there any substance to that belief? And as we say regularly here on Viewpoint, Viewpoint determines destiny. Indeed it does. So whether you have that viewpoint is not the issue. It's whether Vladimir Putin has that viewpoint. Whether the Russian people have that viewpoint. You say, well, there are a lot of Russian people that don't like what he did in attacking Ukraine. I agree with that. Maybe we haven't really fully understood why he attacked Ukraine. Maybe it has something to do with a bigger vision. Not a vision with respect to the U.S. particularly, but a vision with regard to the whole world. So, Russia is once again flexing its muscles on the, uh, the international stage. And so great was the sense of loss of dominating power that Russian politicians were saying, quote, that NATO expansion may prod Russia to seek a military alliance with China, unquote. Is that what's happening? 
Do you know when that was stated? In 1995, friends. The very year this broadcast was begun. May 7th, 1995. The leaders of Russia said so great was the sense of loss of dominating power that Russian politicians were saying that NATO expansion may prod Russia to seek a military alliance with China. Now do you understand why Vladimir Putin attacked Ukraine? Because the West, led by the United States, was doing everything it could to cause Ukraine to be part of NATO and thus surround Russia, making it impossible for Russia and Vladimir Putin to fulfill their vision as the Third Rome. Oh, you say the Third Rome. What's that? We're going to talk about that here because you cannot understand, we cannot understand the dynamics of what is taking place, the geopolitical, but also the spiritual dynamics that are underlying it without understanding the nature of what is referred to as the Third Rome. And within a year, from 1995, the world would witness, quote, the Russian bear rising again, unquote. That was the headline. That, my friends, was 27 years ago. So what's happening now is not a new thing. It's just the manifestation of what was happening then. There was something much bigger in the works, something very, very much bigger. And that's what we want to talk about uh, here in the bid to dominate the world. It's a troubling tale, very turbulent, generated by Putin's Russia. And as I wrote back uh, a few years ago, has been written on the trembling walls of history, beginning with the turn of the third millennium. The Associated Press captured the drama in this headline, quote, Russia sees U.S. bid to dominate the world, unquote. Putin, who was then the new acting president, unveiled Russia's new national security doctrine. Here it is. Quote, broadening the Kremlin's authority to use nuclear weapons and accusing the United States of trying to weaken Russia and become the world's dominant power, unquote. Do you see, Putin's talk about nuclear weapons did not start last week or last month. It started 25 years ago. And as I write and say regularly, viewpoint always sets the course of destiny. And so if this is Vladimir Putin's viewpoint, and it's the viewpoint of the Russian people who have put him in power, then perhaps we ought to look a little more closely at what is actually motivating them to take on the entire Western world. If Vladimir Putin really believes that Russia has been ordained by God, as has been declared, to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ, that's a tall order, isn't it? That's a tall, a, a tall cor- uh, calling. It's almost as if he might think that he's been ordained as a pseudo-Messiah. 
or maybe a John the Baptist for our time to usher in the second coming of Christ. But if you'll stay tuned, you're going to see how this plays out with the papacy, with the Pope. It is quite fascinating indeed. Russia's own paper called Pravda, you've probably heard that that name, carried a headline just eight years later, and here it is. USA believes Russia threatens its interests all over the world, unquote. And of even greater interest was the bold lead-in to a troubling email message that I received from from the UK earlier in 2008 bearing these words. Russia's plan to invade and control the world, unquote. That was in 2008. But from Russia's viewpoint, America tends to rule the world. The USA intends to rule the world. And from Russia's viewpoint, how can that be if Russia is the third Rome and is called by God himself to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Something doesn't compute. And that is on the Russian heart and mind. So, that means that you and I are going to have to grapple with this this idea of the third Rome. Some call it a myth. Well, if it's a myth... It's something that has been so deeply indoctrinated into the mind and heart of the Russian people that it's part of their very public education. It's, it's, shall we say, welded into their spirit, this idea of a third Rome. So where did that come from? Well, let's go back in history real quickly. <clears throat> The Roman Catholic Church, the, the, the Church of the West, so to speak, was weakening there in Rome. And so Constantine, when he became head of the Roman Empire, he built what was now what was called Constantinople, taking his name in what is now Turkey. And what happened there was it shifted the religious and spiritual weight and center of Rome to Byzantium. And the primary purpose there was to purify the church, which it was perceived to have been overtaken by an ungodly merger of church and state in the form of what is called Caesar Papism. In other words, what originally had been part of the Roman Empire, the head of the Roman Empire was called the Pontifex Maximus. He was the incarnation of both the secular and spiritual power of Rome. So therefore, the Bishop of Rome. So when the Roman Catholic Church came along, the power was shifted eventually from the secular Roman Empire to the Bishop of Rome and the papacy, or papacy. Therefore, the Pope himself became the inheritor of the title Pontifex Maximus, the supreme pontiff from which we get 
the word Pope. He's called the pontiff, right? Now, the Pope, the Bishop of Rome, would reign supreme over what was then to be an apostatizing church, the Western Catholic Church. That was considered anathema. So the Rome of the East was translated into a new Rome, or you could say a second Rome, but it was called the new Rome, Constantinople. So the Eastern and Western. 